Hi, everybody. Hi, Alan. Good morning. So I'm going to read from the Book of Romans, um, chapter 13, verses 1 to 7, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So, anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Well, do what is right and they will honour you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too, for these same reasons. The government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honour to those who are in authority. Amen. Thanks very much, Anne. Yeah, fantastic screens, aren't they? This is amazing. <laughs> uh, get the PowerPoint up in a second, but they're really uh, clear. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about this passage about the Christian and the powers that be. Um, do you know what I mean by powers that be? Is that an expression that's familiar to you? It means, I guess, government, councils, police, doctors, ministers of religion, teachers, um, I, I guess all those authorities that um, kind of occur in our society. But it's never been aware of the phrase, the powers that be, comes from. Well, actually, it's from the King James Version, Romans 13, verse 1. So it's straight out of this passage that we're looking at now, the powers that be. Um, I'm conscious that this may be quite an unpopular topic and probably, <laughs> and probably always has been, in fact, sometimes deeply controversial. And I think there's a couple of reasons why it might not be popular. I think the first is a kind of feeling that, you know, I don't come to church to hear about this stuff. I want to come to church to have an experience of God. And, and now I come and we're talking about the powers that be. That's not my thing at all. And the other one might be, well, this all sounds terribly old-fashioned, the Christian and the powers that be. Um, well, well, let me think about both of those objections for a moment. First of all, the one that I kind of come to church to have an experience of God, not to listen to this sort of thing. Uh, let's be clear that you know, the Christian faith isn't simply a matter of what we believe or of what we experience. It's also a matter of the life we live. And this is very much about a lived life that we're talking about here. 
On the second one about it not being fashionable, I think the extent to which that's true. You know, once upon a time in our society, you know, people like police and teachers and ministers of religion and doctors were pretty much respected. Not by everybody, but you know, there was a lot of respect if you had that kind of authority role. Now, much less than before. Um, Anne and I like watching um, kind of TV crime. And um, you know, usually in this TV crime, the kind of hero is a, is a detective of some sort in the police force. And they're kind of the hero. And nearly always, that person has got a really bad relationship with their boss. And their boss is a crook or an idiot or only in it for themselves. And it's hard to think one where actually the boss is a sympathetic figure. And that's reflective of a society in which actually respect and authority have become bad words, really. Um, but, you know, um, fashions come and fashions go. It's like the tide of the sea, it comes and it goes out. Only the word of God endures forever. And actually, I don't care it's not fashionable. What matters is whether it's what God is saying to us. That's what matters. Um, so the Christian and the powers. Something else maybe a little bit about context. Um, last week in uh, Romans 12, uh, Roland was talking about, you know, uh, Paul's message about practical loving. And part of practical loving was living at peace with your neighbor. And it says that in chapter 12. And very much this is a continuation of that story about practical love. But this time applied to those who are kind of above us in society or who have some kind of authority over us. Let me try moving. So here in 11 words is a summary of the entire um, teaching of Romans 1, 13, 1 to 7. And um, if you forget everything else I say today and remember these 11 words, then you'll have got the essence of what this passage is all about. Having said that, I hope that you, you don't nod off just yet, because I think you know, some of the questions that this kind of brings to mind are really interesting and, and worth getting into. Um, I guess this, there may be something here about um, our involvement in wider society. There's always been a, a tendency in Christianity or in parts of Christianity to be kind of suspicious of the secular world in which we live and to want to be a bit separate from that, to, to want to have as little as possible to do with secular authority. And I think this passage to some extent speaks to that. There is, I think, a nod here to something Jeremiah said, and it's in um, Jeremiah 29 at verse 7, about verses 4 to 7. And uh, Jeremiah is saying to the exiles, to Jews driven off into exile, to a very secular society or a very non-God-loving kind of society. And he says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I send you, you know, because their prosperity is linked to yours. So there's something about you know, our involvement in our society in that. And, and Paul gives a number of reasons as to why uh, we should aim to be good citizens of the country we live in. And the first of them is this. He says, we should be good citizens because the authorities are God's servants. And that's mentioned several times in this fact. The authorities are God's servants. Now, that's um, kind of an uncomfortable thing to think about. But it's there in black and white. And um, actually, we'll find, it, we'll find it elsewhere in Scripture, too. And I want us to spend a few minutes to think about both what Paul is saying when he says the authorities are God's servants but also what he's not saying. And we do need um, kind of both sides of that. 
Um, here's a, a, a guy called Douglas Moo. Uh, you probably haven't heard that name. He's a professor of biblical studies and something of an expert on, um, on the book of Romans. And I think one of his recent books on Romans is more than a thousand pages long. So this guy knows Romans. He said, government is more than a nuisance to be put up with. It is an institution established by God to accomplish some of his purposes on earth. It seems that, you know, God is not on the side of chaos. God is on the side of order. He's not on the side of chaos. And, and that's something that we need to, um, to hear, that God is on the side of, of kind of government and order and things being uh, done well. Not everybody doing their own thing is not God's way for society. Um, let me just go back a bit. Because I think it's also um, important to think about what Paul is not saying here. Um, he's not saying you know, that everybody who's in authority is obviously a godly person or doing a good job or even that they kind of have any time in their minds for God. He's not saying that. Um, there's a really cracking example of this. I think it's in, in John 19. And, uh, you know, Pilate has been cross-examining Jesus. And uh, uh, Pilate says, you know, maybe somewhat threatening, he says to Jesus, you know, don't you realize that I've got the authority either to release you or to have you crucified? And Jesus replied simply, he said, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. So even Pilate, in a sense, has his authority ultimately coming from God. And no way is Pilate um, a good man. There's something else I think he's not saying, which is quite is that he's not, he's not mentioning names. This is not about personalities or about particular people. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of, the Roman emperor at this time is actually, is actually Nero. And, you know, the emperor Nero is clearly a big dog at that time. You know, the Americans like to say, don't they, that their, their president is the most powerful man on earth. And certainly, at this time, Nero is the most powerful man on earth. Um, how often does Nero get mentioned in the New Testament? Zero. Not once. Not a single mention. And that tells us that, you know, um, we're very, I think, tied up with who, who the, the guy is at the top are. Maybe too caught up with the kind of cult of personality or of the leader. Um, Maybe also, Paul's not thinking about authority in the, in the sense that we kind of often think about government or politics. He's thinking maybe about our attitudes to authority, your attitude to your boss at work, um, your attitude to um, uh, the police when they give you a parking ticket, your, your attitude to the council. It's, it's all of that st stuff is what he's thinking about. Let's look at the second. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. Come to this one. Um, it, it's impossible to start thinking about this and you get to this line about the authorities are God's servants and this teaching about being a good citizen. Not to think, hold on a second, what about really awful times and places? What about the Nazis? What about Stalin? Maybe even what about Putin? What about um, kind of regimes that are really pretty awful? Is this teaching suspended in those circumstances? Um, well, first of all, I think we should note that Paul isn't specifically addressing that. He's not particularly talking about that. He's thinking about government in general. He's not specifically thinking about horrible governments. And maybe even he's thinking a bit about government when it's trying to do the right thing. But I don't think we should be too quick to say, oh, no, this teaching only applies when the government is, is, is kind of doing the stuff that I think governments ought to do. 
um, you know, I said it a few minutes ago. Who are the authorities when Paul's writing this? The authorities are the Romans. What was the Romans' big innovation on law and order? It wasn't sending people to Rwanda. It was crucifixion. And the Romans had crucified Jesus Christ. So, and, and, and Nero, who believes himself to be God, is the head of the Roman authority. So, so we, we can't be too quick to say, hold on a second, you know, all of this is off when the regime is a bad one. Um, but I will, come, I will come back to the circumstances in which actually it becomes the Christian's duty to disobey the state. We'll come to that um, later. So the second reason that Paul gives for being good citizens is really a kind of common sense reason. He says it's sensible, he said, because trouble comes to those who don't. And it's a very kind of down-to-earth reasoning. Um, and many of you probably know that um, until I retired, I worked for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. And um, it, once I was asked to go and speak at a conference for tax advisors in London. And I think I was kind of there as the voice of the opposition, if you, if you know what I mean. And um, the speaker who was on before me was, a, was a, 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 quite a famous barrister with a lot of initials after his name. And um, he went on at great length about how um, uh, HM Revenue and Customs was prosecuting um, more business people for tax fraud and how terrible this was and it was kind of ruining people's lives. Uh, and, and then it was my turn to get up and speak. And I said, well, listen, um, it is true we are, we are prosecuting more people. And I said, but, you know, if, if anybody here uh, is worried about this, um, and if anybody, you've got a client who's worried about being prosecuted, then I've got a really good piece of advice for you. And my advice is this. Tell the truth in your tax returns. If you do that, you don't need to worry about being prosecuted. And um, I, I, I don't suppose the audience knew it. I'm not even sure I knew it at the time. But that's an answer straight out of Romans 13, verse 3. It's exactly out of Romans 13, verse 3. Um, there's something else in here, though, that... Um, you know, in these verses, he talks about, in fact, in many of the translations, talks about the authorities bearing the sword. So clearly, he's envisaging authority that is quite kind of muscular. And you think, well, in the previous chapter, chapter 12, verse 19, it says, you know, Christians are not to take revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, you are not to take revenge. How does that thought fit together with this sort of thing? And actually, remember being asked this by a colleague at work. He says, how do you kind of reconcile in your mind the fact that as a Christian you're called to forgive people with the fact that you're doing a job which is about chasing tax cheats? And I said, listen, there's no problem whatsoever, I said, because as a Christian, I am not to take revenge and I am to forgive anybody who hurts me. But as a servant of the state, then my duty is, is to do the, the work of the state in that case was to pursue tax cheats and to collect taxes and not to forgive them. That was my job. And that is, that's what's in this year. We're not to take the law into our own hands, but that doesn't mean there's to be no law. And the third reason is that we're to, pay, we're to be good citizens and also pay our taxes as a matter of conscience. So not just out of fear, although that's definitely something he's talked about, but you know, we're doing it because, as part of our obedience to God and for the good of the society in which we, we live. So we have that obligation to be good citizens. 
And here I'm moving, I'm moving out of Romans 13, but I'm, I'm sticking with the, with the same teaching from Paul. So we're still on Paul, uh, but this time in his letter to Timothy. Christians should pray for people in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. And, and so, so there it is in black and white. We should pray for people in authority. I, I quite like, I think it's Chuck Colson who said that when he was in prison, he said, I always prayed for the prison and governor when I was in prison. Sometimes that they might be transferred, but I always prayed for them. And, uh, so praying for government and those in authority is a good thing to do. Um, but this phrase, peaceful and quiet lives, is interesting too. And I, I guess there are two aspects to it. One, I think, is actually, from, our, from the Christian's point of view, is that we, we shouldn't be looking, we shouldn't be spoiling for a fight with the state. Even if the state is very secular and not at all interested in Christian values, if it's possible, our aim should be to live peaceful and quiet lives. But there's, I guess, the, the other side of that, maybe there's some clues here about what government should really be about. Is that what government should really be about is peaceful and quiet lives. And just for a complete change, I've got something from uh, C.S. Lewis. Um, and actually, it's a, it's a slightly longer quote, so I've, I've got it on a bit of paper, and I'll read this for you, but I think it's really rather nice. The state exists simply to promote and protect the ordinary happiness of human beings in this life. A husband and wife chatting over a fire, a couple of friends having a game of darts in a pub, a man reading a book in his own room or digging his own garden. That is what the state is there for. And unless they're helping to increase and prolong and protect such moments, all the laws, parliaments, armies, courts, police, economics, etc., are simply a waste of time. In the same way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people to Christ. And I, I thought that was, um, that was rather good. Um, but the powers that be are not the highest authority. God is. You may spot there's a typo there. I can't think how many times I looked at these slides and failed to spot the extra words. But anyway, um, the powers that be are not the highest authority. God is. And we see this very clearly, for example, in Acts 4 and 5. And um, Peter and the other apostles are summoned before the Jewish high council, who are very much in authority, and, and they're told not to speak in Jesus' name. And then they're, they're called back in again sometime later, and the high priest said, you know, we told you not to speak in Jesus' name, and you'll be going around doing exactly the opposite. And Peter says, well... You know, which was the right thing to do, to obey man or to obey God? So that's clear that, you know, that the final authority is actually God. Um, and I think there is a, there's a kind of continuity between these two. Um, imagine that you're at work, and most of the time at work, you, you do what your immediate line manager tells you to do. So, you know, they give you a task and you do that task. And, and most of the time, that's how, how kind of life is. And then one day you're doing that, and the, the kind of top boss comes in. And he says, well, what are you doing? You say, well, I'm doing this. He says, well, will you stop doing that and do this other thing instead? So he's the top boss. You go and do that. And if your line manager says, well, why are you not doing what I told you? You say, well, because the, you know, the top boss told me to do something else instead. And it's something the same, actually, for us. Is actually, Christians should be aiming to live peaceful and quiet lives, being good citizens of the state in which we live, unless and until... That conflicts something we've had from a higher authority. So I say, you know, there's a continuity. The story is about authority. Most of the time, we're kind of living with the state. Sometimes our duty to God means 
that we're, we're, we get into conflict with the state or we do something the state doesn't want us to do. This picture, it's actually from the uh, late 19th century. It's called The Christian Martyr's Last Prayer. And it's set in Rome. And obviously, the picture is a group of Christians praying before uh, they're thrown to, to the lions and the other wild beasts. And um, this is a reminder that, you know, Paul himself, we understand, it's not in the Bible, but we understand that, you know, Paul died in, in, in Nero's later persecution in Rome. And many of the people to whom he was writing would have paid for their, their, their faith in God uh, by, by, you know, by being martyred. So um, you're aiming to be a good citizen, but when it comes to choosing, you choose God and not the state. Something else. Does this mean, you know, if I'm aiming to be a good citizen, does this mean I kind of couldn't, I shouldn't stand up for, stand up against injustice? And uh, well, it definitely doesn't mean that. I do think we have an obligation to kind of call out injustice and stand against it. Um, I don't know how many of you um, recognise the woman in the picture. Her name is Rosa Parks, and on the 1st of December, 1955. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus in Alabama uh, so that a white person could sit in the seat. The police were called and she was arrested and she was also fired from her job the same day uh, where she was a seamstress in a department store. And uh, that started a bus boy boycott um, and a bit over a year later the, the American Supreme Court ruled that segregation on buses was wrong. But, uh, Rosa Parks was a devout Christian, and she certainly had been influenced by what Peter said. You, had to, you have to decide whether you're going to be God or man. And, and she took that tough stance. Um, how do I know which to do in any particular circumstances? How do I know when I should be doing what the state wants me to do or doing what God wants me to do? Um, well, the principles are here, and the principles are very important. But, you know, the Bible doesn't give you an answer to every situation. It's not like that. Um, as C.S. Lewis puts it, you know, Jesus told us to feed the hungry, but he didn't give us a cookbook. You know, the details very often have to be worked out. And, um, I mean, this week there's been a story in the news. I don't know if any of you caught, uh, caught up with it. Uh, a man who's... Uh, kind of church title was Metropolitan Hilarion, a Russian Orthodox, apparently number two in the Russian Orthodox Church, has been kind of exiled and relieved of all these duties in the Russian Orthodox Church. And that's because in recent time he'd become more outspoken against the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, I don't know anything about the man, but you, I imagine him, you know, A, realizing that if he spoke against the war, this was going to get dangerous. And, and B may be weighing his responsibility to the state against his responsibility to God and then, and then choosing what he had to do with conscience and the guidance of the Holy Spirit will lead us in particular circumstances to know whether we're uh, kicking up a fuss about something we shouldn't be or whether taking the stand that God wants us to take. Until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. This was um, a word from Daniel to the king at the time who was Nebuchadnezzar, who had become arrogant. And effectively, um, he is being relieved of his duty. And you can read about that in Daniel 4. And um, 
it is kind of the other side, I guess, of the authorities being God's servant that they probably don't want to hear about. You know, this was God's message to Nebuchadnezzar. It could just as easily be God's message to Boris Johnson. You know. Because, you know, you, you think, well, who's going to be the next Prime Minister of the UK? Well, we'll we won't know until September. Will that person realize that they've got that job because God has put them there? And that they're therefore accountable to God for how they do that job? Probably not. Probably they'll think they got there because they're more popular or cleverer um, or better communicator or more ruthless than the others in the leadership race. But they'll be wrong. They'll be accountable to God. And God can lift up rulers and he can pull them down again. Uh, and our prayers should be for both of those things, I think. Christians are to be good uh, citizens and respect those in authority. I'm kind of conscious, it might even be true of me, that you, know, that you might be sitting there thinking, well, you know, this message about being a good citizen is, is not really holding any kind of fears for me because actually, you know, I am pretty law-abiding. Law I do tend to kind of follow the rules and, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of okay. But this isn't a message, message just about what we do. It's about attitudes. And if we're um, ungenerous and judgmental and unforgiving and complaining about people who have authority over us, which could be our boss at work or it could be the council or the government or whoever, then, you know, this verse has got you in its sights. Because we're called to give respect as well as just to keep the law out of fear. Careless talk costs lives. Um, the, the, the background to this poster, this is a poster from the Second World War. Uh, and what it was a warning was that if, if you kind of knew something that might be of value to the enemy, for goodness sake, don't talk about it in the pub or on the bus or anything else because spies could be listening and, and that message could get back to the enemy and as a result, soldiers could die in battle. So that was the message. Careless talk costs lives. But what I want to say this morning is, you know, careless lives cause talk and that is that you know the way we live our life also speaks in our society and um, you know why should people want to listen to Christianity if they see a big disconnect between what we say and how we live you know there's something of that the modern parable of Boris Johnson you know when the gulf between what you say and what you do becomes too big people no longer want to hear from you anymore and um, so it's important as Christians we live careful lives and our lives will speak. Um, a friend of um, uh, John has recently been speaking to a Somali woman in the library and, and she's a, a Muslim. And she'd said, she talked about this church and she said, this is an accepting church and these are people of peace. So, you know, lives can speak. And that is precious and important. Let our lives speak of Jesus, not merely what we sing, not merely the songs that we sing. Um, you know, sometimes when we, uh, we, we finish a, a, a talk in church, we invite people to respond by uh, coming forward to be prayed for, and, and I'm, I'm sure that's very appropriate in all sorts of circumstances. But sometimes, you know, I think the response that God is looking for is not anything that happens in church, it's something that happens out there. And I think this is actually one of the occasions. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pray about that. Um, 
Because Jesus said, he famously said, didn't he, that, you know, the person who hears his words but does not act on them is like a fool who built his house on sand. It is not enough just to hear. We also have to act and to put it into practice. And I know that word is tough. It's tough on me as I'm sure it is on you. But nevertheless, that is God's word for us. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we do want to receive all your word to us. And we want to be changed and enriched by your word. And Lord, we freely confess that there are times that we have lived careless lives. And our lives have not spoken well of you. So Father, forgive us. But Lord, we also want to say that that is not who we want to be. That is not what we want in our lives. We do want lives that will speak of you. And Lord, to do that, we need your Holy Spirit, Father. And to you, we pray that you would be with us, Lord, not only in this building, but Monday to Friday, Monday to Sunday, 24-7, Lord. May your Spirit be with us that we might live lives that honor you and declare your greatness and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.